and good morning, everyone. Uh, we've got a lot to, of ground to cover, as always. Uh, 11.05 this morning, we are going to be joined by Kristen Bentz. And I've talked about Kristen and with Kristen a lot on this show. She is a retail analyst by trade. She has a company called KB Advisory Group. She is nationally and internationally known as a retail analyst, advising Wall Street for years and years and years of projections of what Wall, what is going to happen in the retail industry. But she is a wealth of information about not just what's happening in the economy, but how it is going to affect you. And so we're going to talk with her at 11.05. If you want to set your alarm or download the uh, KTAR News app, we will bring that to you because that's where we start this morning. We start with the economy, um, which we have been talking about for a very long time. This is a just a headline, very challenging, in quotation marks, to tame inflation without steep job losses across the U.S. economy after hiking the interest rates to 3.25, the highest level since 2008. Um, an intentional slowing of the economy is what they are needing to do to reduce inflation and drive down the cost of goods. But it is going to be painful. It's going to be painful across all sectors, they're saying. I will say on a bright side, a couple of things. Thank goodness that Arizona was able to do what they've done with their economy over the past eight years. Um, I've, I've talked at length about this. Uh, going back to the crash, going back to 08, going back to that time period. Um, I just had an interesting television interview. I did. Uh, I do some TV stuff over at AZTV7 here in, in the Valley. And uh, interviewed for a series of shows we're doing called Before You Vote, former Governor Jan Brewer. And I know that Governor Brewer is a frequent guest on the afternoon show, and and I, I just I, I love I love Jan Brewer. I think she's fantastic as a person, as well as you know she's just such a great wealth of information in Arizona politics. So when sitting down with her, we revisited the economy of Arizona when she was in office. It was not of her doing, but the market crash that happened when the housing market crashed and everything around it. Arizona was in a disastrous place. We had the highest debt per capita in our in our state, you know, our state coffers per capita in the nation when that happened. Her job was like an emergency room physician. Her job was to stabilize the patient, which they were able to do with hard work and hard decisions from her office and working with the legislature. They were able to um, get that to stop that from happening, to stop the bleeding. And it took some really big decisions and a lot of cuts and a lot of things to get it stabilized. When she turned over the reins to Governor Ducey, they looked at it from a point of view of we need to diversify the economy in Arizona, that relying so much in the construction industry is not a good thing for us. We have to diversify this economy. We must diversify it. So what they ended up doing uh, was looking at ways to attract industry here. Manufacturing has gone up dramatically. We've seen high-tech jobs. The chip industry is coming here. You look in what's happening in the East Valley in Mesa with that tech hub that is there with names that are the biggest in the tech industry coming. And so we have diversified this economy in great ways, which is going to bode well for us because it's one sector is going to get hit harder than the other. We are not going to suffer dramatic losses across our entire economy. Now, there's going to be pain everywhere, possibly, but at least we have diversified ourselves in our economy and we are in a good place. And if you think about this now for small businesses and for individuals, but especially for small businesses that are going to suffer from this as well, how good of an idea was it to drive down taxes on small business and on individuals? But think about the small businesses trying to stay afloat. This lower tax rate, every little bit helps. And so that's just my economic point of view, but we are in for a rough road ahead. Um, 
what Wall Street told us yesterday with a drop in the Dow of over 500 points at the end of the day. It had been up a little bit over 100 points, 130 points, I think. At one point, and then after the announcement by the Fed, not just that it was going up to 3.75, but that they were – or 3.25, that they might do another three-quarters of a point. They're probably going to do that this year with another rate increase projected for 2023, then a stabilization. Now, that to me is saying we've got a long road to hoe here. We got a long road to hoe, and it's going to be a tough time. Um, So the average person, what does this mean for you? What does it mean to credit cards? The rates are probably going to go up on your credit cards. Um, and so how do we navigate all of this? This is going to be the the tough thing. The New York Times had a story about credit cards are closely linked to the Fed's actions. So consumers will see revolving debt, can expect to see rate increases. Car loans are expected to climb, but those increases continue to be overshadowed by the rising cost of buying a vehicle. Um, student loans, I don't think are going to change much. Mortgages, rates on 30-year fixed mortgages don't move in tandem with the Fed's bench, benchmark rate, but instead track the yield on 10-year treasury bonds. So they jumped since the start of 2022, but they're also, there may be some moderation depending on what happens to the housing market. Um, you know, your money, if you're able to put money away in the bank, you're going to see a little bit more yield in a savings account. That's good news for people. But my biggest concern throughout all of this has always been about employment. And I've, I've been I think I've been fair about this. I don't agree with the policies of this administration, but I was happy to see 99 days of a reduction in gas prices. And we are now expected to see some fuel prices tick up. But if there is a reduction in need in a workforce, we drive down demand for fuel. Maybe that moderates that. But the biggest issue for me has been the bright spot has been jobs. And it's been what the government, it's what the federal government has touted at every turn. The president has always talked about the jobs and how they've created all of these jobs and the job market is so strong, which has also been their defense that we aren't, how can you be in a recession when you have this many jobs available and this many people working and the lowest unemployment rate? If there is a reversal of that, if we are going to see layoffs happening, and yesterday we talked about Gap, the uh, the, the retailer, the you know the clothing store Gap, they have they are um, laying off people. You are in an industry that relies on Black Friday and the holiday season to get you into the black. And if you're laying off people going into that season, what does that say? So my conversation at 11 o'clock with Kristen Bentz is going to be more motivated in that direction is what do you see for the consumers moving into the holidays? Are we going to see a steep reduction in some things because people don't have the money to buy them? So this should be an interesting time. Um, And I I am not, although it sounds like it right now, I'm dealing with reality of what's happening for everyone. I'm not a doom and gloomer in the sense that I think the United States is ever going off a cliff. What we saw in 08 that carried on with the longest climb out in a very long time trying to climb out of that recession was very painful. I remember in the construction industry watching businesses dry up here, mine included. I had one, you know, I had at one time 18 people working for me, 18, which may not sound like a lot of people to a lot of you, but to me it was almost overwhelming. And we were basically out of business in a pretty short order because of the industry we were in. And um, that to me, if we start seeing job losses along that way, that's going to be an issue. But we always come back. We always have. And so riding it out, there, there are people now, and I think maybe a silver lining for this is there's a lot of companies that were there in 08. Uh, my friends in the construction industry, my friends that were there in 08. 
that were able to navigate and stay afloat and they learned a lot of valuable lessons on how to run a business and how much money you need on hand and what you need to survive in a bad you know it's just like people that lived in the Great Depression even when times were good they made uh, I had friends and my grandparents were Depression era they were always very very frugal with things even though they were making money Wasting was not a part of their vocabulary. They were people that learned lessons through a time that was so very, very difficult that even when times are good, you prepare for the bad times. That might be a valuable lesson. 08, that time period might be a lesson for businesses, small and big businesses, to survive through all of this. Um, and we'll see if it's going to get that bad. I hope it doesn't. I really hope that whatever happens is minimal, but more and more people are predicting a hard landing. That's the verbiage they're using. They're saying it's going to be almost impossible to raise rates as much as they need to to drive down costs without severe job losses. The one bright spot that the White House has been able to point to has been the job losses or the job gains. Now, if there's losses, what happens? Coming up in a moment, we shift to a frequent topic. We talk about the border, except this time, specifically sanctuary cities are now begging the federal government for support because of the migrants in their city. We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time on the show, as always. Um, <clears throat> we are uh, talking about the economy quite a bit this morning, but the border is also an issue here in the state of Arizona and what's been happening. Uh, a couple of things that we need to discuss, and this is the handling of things and how we hold leadership accountable. Who needs to be held accountable? Uh, a couple of things that I found interesting. Sanctuary cities are straining are straining to support thousands of migrants arriving by bus. Um, there is also Dem strongholds beg the White House for help with migrants. Um, people may not like the tactics, and I understand that politically speaking, morally speaking, whatever it is for you. People may not like the tactics that were started by Governor Abbott in Texas and then continued with Governor Ducey in Arizona and then again further continued with Governor DeSantis from Florida. But a message has been sent and a message is being sent. And I want to follow a train of thought that I don't know how anybody can't follow, which is – the, the cities and states that are now receiving migrants because of buses and airplanes from Texas, Arizona, and Florida are getting a very, very, very small taste in a short period of time for what Arizona and Texas has been suffering for a very, very extended period of time. Now, I understand, and I will tell you, we're benevolent people. I'm going to give you examples of what I'm talking about. Um, in Yuma... Let's go back just a few months. In Yuma, there had, was a huge uptick in the number of people that were going through into Yuma. And it was a shift from southern Texas. They were redirecting people. And it was, part of it was they were adding border agents in parts of Texas. So the cartels were redirecting people to the border in Yuma. And there were hundreds of people, if not thousands, but hundreds of people that walked onto the American side of the border. And there wasn't Border Patrol or there wasn't uh, federal agents there to process them through. So they were literally sitting on the American side of the border fence when they got around it, waiting for federal authorities to come and get them. The people of Yuma 
who are being inundated with this. You know, it, it strains their 911 system. It strains their hospitals and, and it strains their uh, their uh, all their charitable giving, you know, their food banks and things of that nature. So it's not something that the people in Yuma want. But they also see the human side in people. And the people of Yuma brought blankets and water and supplies so that the people that sat there for a couple of nights had things to take care of themselves and their families. Now, to give you the juxtaposition on this, during this period, there was no law enforcement that was available, not federal law enforcement anyway. And the cartel members that had brought those people to the U.S. were then crossing back into the U.S. armed to the teeth and stealing the supplies that were given to them by the good people of Yuma. There's the difference. So the idea that just because Texas and Arizona are saying something's got to be done to stop this doesn't mean that we're not good people. We understand the human plight, but we also have mouths to feed in our own states, and this is not working. The federal system as it exists has been strained to the biggest level it's ever been strained with over 2 million people crossing the border. Record numbers of people on the terrorist watch list crossing into this country. You can't you can't focus on one and not the other. You can't talk about the good people that are striving for a better life without saying when they come in, they are being accompanied by people that want to do us harm. So now when they start bringing attention to all of this and these cities and these states are saying to the federal government, we're sanctuary cities, but you've got to help us. We can't do this alone. Are they going to get help? And then what does Arizona and Texas say if the federal government shows up to help? Because they're doing nothing in Yuma. They're doing nothing in these, uh, like I said, Del Rio, Texas, McAllen, Texas. They're not doing anything in these places. Or I shouldn't say anything. They're not doing nearly enough in any of those places. And that's what this conversation should be about. Now the nation should be looking at this is what's happening in Arizona and Texas. Instead, they focus on the political battle where Mayor Adams in in uh, New York goes after Ron DeSantis and he goes after especially Governor Abbott in uh, in Texas and talks about what horrible human beings they are. And this is where the whole conversation is politically Republican versus Democrat, good versus evil. We care. You don't. And you look what's happened with Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago, where they took people into their sanctuary city, put them on buses and shipped them to the suburbs. So we can have that political argument all day long. At what point, where's the problem coming from? The problem isn't coming from Arizona and Texas. The problem is coming from the South into those places. Doesn't mean those people don't deserve to be treated humanely. It doesn't mean that those people are horrible human beings. What it means is they are breaking our laws and overwhelming our systems. We have a record amount of drugs that are killing people. We have all of these things that are happening because of the the border policies of this administration. We hear Excuse after excuse after excuse. And finally, these governors come up with an idea and they say, we're going to start sending people to these sanctuary cities and see what you think. A bus of 50 people, 50, 50 people showed up in Martha's Vineyard. It became a national story for days. The person that was in charge of their homeless shelter said, we can't handle this. They're going to eventually, they got to leave. They have to go. We cannot handle this. We don't have enough housing for the people that live on this island. We can't do this. 50 people. That's a Tuesday afternoon in Yuma. On a good day. 
So we have got to look at this in a, in a better way. And at some point, you have to stop pointing the finger at the governors that are reacting to what's happening to them. Because now even the mayors of Chicago and New York and Washington, D.C. and other cities are saying to the federal government, you've got to help us. So what does the White House do now? If they send people to those sanctuary cities to help them. If they send federal agents or federal resources into those cities, you don't think the spotlight should be on Arizona and on Texas and say, hey, what about us? We've been begging for years. And something needs to be done. And I hope that this attention that's being given to this finally makes a difference. Coming up in a moment, Gatos joins me. It's the big Q poll question of the day. So get ready for it. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. Good morning. We got to um, we got we got to buy the Suns. You and me. Yeah, it's our chance. How much money you got on me? It, well, I mean, you know, I know the stock market is down. The four four hundred one k. If we pull our money, we could probably we could probably yeah we can't. If that. we if we pulled our money, yeah. we might be able to buy season tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just do that? Okay, we let's should. Let's just do that. Let's, let's do we'll that. We'll go to the game. Oh, crap. It was a good idea. It's a great idea. Ah, well, you know, at least we wouldn't go around the office asking women, do I own you? <laughs> Who's your daddy? Gosh. I, I, it kills me. The guy is just, he acted like such a pig. Who like, asks a woman, who asks women in the office, do I own you? Yeah, I mean, what the, it, anybody who yeah. anybody now have you have you ever worked for a horrible boss yeah me too yeah it's it really is it's really brutal it really really weighs on you it is really really tough and it's different when you're in a position where you can leave where you can basically you know give them the finger so to speak and go somewhere else yeah if you're someone that feels like this is my best shot at a good income and i have a family to feed i live alone so when i was able to walk away from my horrible boss i just had me to worry about i think about the, the those women that are you know single moms or maybe even married but you're thinking man this is a good income i need this job and i so i'm going to put up with a bunch of this nonsense it's horrible yeah i mean mine was very very early in my career and you know it was it was just me but i was very young and it was it was very difficult i mean you never forget it do you no Mm-mm. what's your question what do you got Totally different question. Right. You know, I should have said, should, should, should uh, Broomhead and the Gatos buy the Suns? <laughs> oh, the changes we would make would be oh, fantastic. It would be. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right. Uh, here's my question. Great Arizona's monsoon season. Because I think today mm-hmm. at 6.03 fall has arrived. Mm-hmm. But we had a great monsoon season, so I ask everybody to grade it. A, B, C, D. Uh, or F. I'll give you a little. I'll check it out. I get thirty eight percent says a C. See, I go A. I thought I go I go A minus B plus. Yeah, I thought it was the best monsoon season I've ever seen here. Yeah, it's a good one. I don't know if it's the best I've ever seen, but it is a really okay. good one. So, All right. taking All right. us out of the dr- the extreme drought in every county in the state, which is good. All right, save that money. We got to buy something. We will. We will. We'll, we'll buy. We'll buy one game cheap tickets. Nosebleed. That's about all we can afford. <laughs> Thanks, Gatos. See ya. All right, see ya. The Big Q Poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Just after 9 o'clock, we talk about a climate treaty. Is it adding to the cost of things? That's coming up.